0: I'm ready.
1: episode 191 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and uh, this week we have two special interviews. We have an interview with uh, David Ellefson, obviously from Megadeth and Ellison and, and all that great stuff, and um, we've also got an interview with Drew Fortier, who's the person that reached out to me, and the reason that he did is because uh, he is doing... Or he's releasing a book uh, on the 18th, if I'm getting the date correct, with David Ellison called The Sludge Chronicles Rockstar Hitman. And the um the, the whole premise behind the book is a guy who's in a band who ends up being, you know, a, a hitman and he's um it's a very like horror-centric thing because Drew is very much into that genre. We also talk about Dwellers, which is something that's coming out on uh, Ellison Films. And um, I thought it was a very interesting two sets of interviews. The feedback that I got from the live stream, uh, the Wednesday night that I did the interview, was great. Uh, This was recorded on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So we're talking about uh, Wednesday the 25th. And, um, yeah, I had been after David Elson for a few years. Uh, just things never were able to sync up. And finally, this time, they did. They did sync up. So I told Mark Striegel last week during the Mark Striegel podcast, exclusively on Patreon, uh, how this was an interview that, when I wrapped up, I felt very proud. You know, it's one of those things where you talk to people and yeah, you know, it's a cool conversation and whatnot, but man, David Ellison, just the gravitas of that name, you know, just the important or how important that name is to metal, to hard rock, to rock music in general. Um, it, to me, for me, it was a big deal, you know, because... Yeah, his music has been a huge part of the soundtrack of my life. You know, that's that's a saying that I kind of picked out of, not picked out of the air, because Charlie Benante is the one that said it. I forget who it was. I think it was when Neil Peart died. He said, you know, thank you for being part of the soundtrack of my life. And I was like, wow, yeah, absolutely. That makes total sense. Um, so, yeah, so with David Ellefson, it's, uh, yes, <laughs> definitely a band megadeth that i've listened to a lot you know since i was a kid so you know there's so much to choose from um what we'll do is we're going to jump into a little bit of megadeth and then go on into the interview this is all up on youtube so if you want to see it you know if you want to see the actual video uh you can do so uh if you go to marsattackradio.com you'll find links to the YouTube page where the video version is located. Also links to that will be posted right on marsattaxradio.com. If you scroll down, there's a, a live stream section and you'll find that. Also, if you go to com, you'll find all of the great links to social media, including once again, the, the YouTube. Please subscribe where you can support what I do here. Um, you know, I don't ask people to, you know, um, I don't ask people to, to throw in money or whatever. Sure, I have Patreon set up and I have, you know, links to Amazon and PayPal and all this stuff. So, of course, if people want to throw me a bone, I'm not going to say no. But at the same time, you know, I realize times are tough. Um, nobody's putting a gun to anybody's head. If you can contribute somehow, Awesome. Um, If you can follow on social media, it's free. If you can follow on YouTube, it's free. Uh, follow on Twitch. You know, there's a plethora of ways that you can uh, follow, you know. So just go to com and you can do that right across the top or the bottom of the page. You'll find links to everything there. So um what else yeah and as far as the i mentioned the mark striegel podcast i've been co-hosting that we're up to episode 99 uh for two bucks a month you get that um i've also got my patreon going two bucks five bucks ten bucks and 25 bucks a month depending on what you want depending on what you want um (laughs) you have different options it's all up there on on patreon and uh that the podcast that I offer there is the Victor M. Ruiz podcast. It's kind of more of a, a personal thing where you know I talk about just different things. It doesn't necessarily have to be music, um, you know. I've I've been getting great feedback from people. It was one of these things where when I started, I was like, wow, you know, people actually honestly want to hear about this stuff. And yeah, I, I guess so far so good. So there you go. Anyway, enough of my yammering here. Uh, Let's get into a little Elysian Fields off of euthanasia, and then we're going to jump on into that interview with David Elfson. So the holiday season is is upon us. Um, what memories do you have as a kid, maybe getting a vinyl or something for Christmas that really sticks to you today, like really sticks in your memory?
2: Probably the one and the most was uh, my mom and dad gave me Queen Night at the Opera on cassette oh, wow. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> because we had a, we had a cassette player um, in the Wurlitzer organ that my mom and dad had bought, which was cutting edge technology for like having you know most people had a piano in the house we had the organ you know right cool um but uh that was and it was bizarre because again i was a i was a kiss fan um just getting into rock and roll i remember they bought my brother dreamboat andy by heart and they bought me night at the opera um and and i listening to it i was like this is very bizarre this is a weird (laughs) band you know I can't say I was totally drawn to it. I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I did like Death on Two Legs. Oh, yeah. Um, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody was, you know, amazing, you know. So, um, but, so it, it took a little while for me to warm up to it. But, um, yeah, that's probably from a, a gift of an album, that would be the one.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, and I mean, obviously, Death on Two Legs and um, <clears throat> what's that, The God Song, which is the start of Side 2?
0: Yeah, um, I think which so, Which
1: was yeah, also yeah. probably... Those are probably like the two heaviest songs, per se, off of that.
2: Yeah, I, I would I would agree. You know, um, we just did the Ellison No Cover record, and we covered Sheer Heart Attack, yeah. which is probably the other heavy song by Queen that I really liked. In fact, given the choice to record two, I would either be Sheer Heart Attack or Death on Two Legs. Yeah. Um, because they're just, they're just that. I was into the heavier stuff, you know? Yeah. And I, and I appreciated the vocal stuff, but I didn't know if it was sort of like a... You know, it's funny. I, I say this because my, when my parents bought the Wurlitzer organ, which I then had to learn how to play, one of the <laughs> other cassettes, they were into, my mom is into country music. So they had like Charlie Pride and the Statler Brothers and Olivia Newton John, all this kind of stuff. But right. the other uh, kind of rock album that they had uh, on cassette was Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. Um, which would have had Ray Gillen or Ian Gillen, Ian Gillen from, yeah. uh, from from Deep Purple singing on it. And, and I liked it. It was cool. It felt, foreboding and forbidden you know it definitely right. didn't is like this doesn't seem like the church hymns we're singing on sunday in the lutheran <laughs> church this seems kind of right. dangerous and not right which is i think what what i liked about it it was sure i think us rockers you know we always liked the stuff that was like up oh, shouldn't have that it's like yeah you know, it's like the forbidden fruit you know
1: so so that's interesting you know a correlation between you mentioned sheer heart attack and you mentioned No Cover. No Cover, obviously. The cover paying homage to uh, On Through the Night by Def Leppard. Oh, yeah,
2: right. I actually have one right here, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, the funny thing is uh, Brave Words, just, well, they post like daily Brave History and different things. And mm-hmm. they posted the release of Queen's Sheer Heart Attack album. And they posted a video of the song Sheer Heart Attack. And I wrote in and I said, hey, you know, the music nerd in me, you know, the Larry David in me kind of got anal about this because Sheer Heart Attack is off of news for the world. I said similar to On Through the Night by Def Leppard, the song On Through the Night didn't appear up until High and Dry.
2: High and Um, Dry, yeah.
1: And then Sheer Heart Attack is the same thing. That was on – it was
2: off (laughs) of – Ah, uh, fuck, it's the well, album. Sure Heart Attack was off News of the World. Right, and Sheer and then, Heart Attack then,
1: is the album. That's
2: right. And sure, so Heart Attack, exactly. yeah, and I, which I found very odd. I thought that was kind of weird. And I don't know if you noticed this, but on the very first Queen album, they actually spelled John Deacon's name Deacon John. Oh, wow. Did you notice that? No, I, had, I never I had noticed a, that. I had a vinyl. I had a vinyl. And that very first Queen album is very kind of, again, dark and foreboding. It kind of reminds me of the first Black Sabbath album. It, it, right. It's a kind of yes. low-budget Um it's but it, it it's kind of haunting in a weird way. And I remember they spelled his name Deacon John. Maybe that was just a, what, a, a single pressing and then they fixed it. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, Deacon John. And it's funny you mentioned that um, Pat Travers. Uh, an album of his that I really loved was Putting It Straight, um, where he's standing in the record, kind of like this, in front of a record company mogul with a bunch of gold and platinum records, and he's, and he's right. got his guitar. And then on the back, he's played, and the records are all trashed, and the office is a mess. And Nico McBrain played on that, but okay. his name was spelled Nico McBain. <laughs> which I was I was going, and I've never asked Nico this. I need to ask him this, because his, his name was Nico McBain, But then when he joined iron maiden on peace of mind where they had the brains and the, you know, they're sitting Mm -hmm. at their table and then his name became Nico Mcbrain. So I wonder if they made him change his name or if he decided to change his name when he joined iron maiden. Interesting. There's a fact or fiction. We should figure that out. We'll ask Nico next time we see him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Um, You mentioned no cover. uh, So we'll just hop on that real quick. Um, was there anything that you wanted to cover or maybe you tried covering that didn't work out, that didn't make the album?
2: You know, it's funny. Our Tom Hazard and, and our designer Melody Myers, Tom was talking to Melody one night, he goes, oh my God, David's killing me. He's calling me every day with like five new songs he wants to cover, you know? And, and she said, she goes, well, when he gets the sticks, that's when you know it's time to stop. And so it's funny. I literally, we had all these songs, because I'm, I'm a huge sticks fan. I love the first my my jam was grand illusion, everything from the beginning up to grand illusion. that was my sticks era in fact, pieces of Eights and that i i didn't i didn't at least I heard it on the radio, of course, but I didn't buy those records um, so i you know and to me probably the the more heavier track would be probably be Miss America, which James Young okay. sings and uh, and i I think I brought that up and go well, you know we could always do Miss America. By Sticks and, and that's when Tom went, All right, that's it. We're done. <laughs> Eighteen songs, we're done. So uh I don't know. I don't know why Sticks was the cutoff line. So we'll have to include them on No Cover volume two.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, so was there anything else that you
2: recorded that just didn't make the album that you felt wasn't as strong as the other songs? No, not at all. In fact, in fact, we thought about maybe holding a couple of these back. You know, Tom had a heart attack in mid July, okay. um, right. As we started mixing, um, we, we started record with the idea came up like kind of, let's call it first week of June, started putting the tracks down immediately. Um, so within about five weeks, all the tracks were pretty much done. We had a couple guests, like Dave Lombardo came in a little bit later We, when we were able to uh, get his tracks in. Um, other than that... You know, maybe some stuff like Love Hurts, Beth, Tom, actually Tom and Tyson brought Beth in right at the very end. And some of the stuff, because we'd always hit Bumblefoot at like midnight and go, dude, can you throw some backing vocals on this to sweeten this up for us? (laughs) So, you know, Bumble and Bumble would always get the email at at night and he's a late owl. So he'd stay up all night cutting vocals for us. But uh, a couple of tracks, Sweet F.A. and Over the Mountain. um, Sweet F.A. was my choice. Over the Mountain was actually Tom's choice. Um, and he was going to sing on over the mountain, but he had his heart attack and it just kind of pushed it back a little bit. He, he wasn't feeling sweet FA of course, lyric, lyrically that would, that's kind of a challenging song to sing in these times. <laughs> in fact, Todd <laughs> did a really good job of kind of tweaking the lyric a little bit. So it wasn't, right. you know, wasn't a problem. Um, but, but Tom, you know, when he kind of came out of the fog from the heart attack, a couple weeks later, he sat back he said, you know, man, those guys did a great job. Andrew Freeman on over the mountain and Todd Kearns. Just, I mean, Todd's, just, he just did such an amazing job on sweet. I mean, that sweet stuff is like singing a bohemian rhapsody. I mean, right. the, 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 the complexity and the, the orchestration of, of the vocals are just incredibly, uh, just brilliant, you know, especially again, that's, that was what early seventies, 73, 74. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Tom just said, he goes, you know what, those guys, they did great. I'm not even going to go near it. I'm just going to leave those guys alone. I won't even be on those tracks. So, um, we, we thought about maybe holding a couple back, but you know, as we got to it, honestly, I think what, what the deciding factor was, is we realized, to put 15 songs was too much for one CD. Mm-hmm. So that automatically pushed us over into a double CD, double vinyl situation. And then we just went, you know what, screw it. Just throw it all on there. And, <laughs> and quite honestly, right at the last minutes, uh, there's a song on here that's not credited. Um, right. it's a hidden track, which is downed by cheap trick, which is, uh, uh our friend chips enough. Um, and me, uh, Vinnie Drombosky from from uh, sponge, Mm-hmm. And uh, Drew Fortier uh, played on that. Um, and that is a hidden bonus track that we added um, because it because it, the, the core of this is the Ellison band. So it has a, right. a pretty unified sound. And as we brought guests in, um, they sort of dovetailed in real nicely to the sound of, of the record, you know, mm-hmm. Um the the track uh downed sits a little outside of that we remixed it and i think it it fits very nicely now but it it is it's a little easter egg so if if you have the cd let it play pass fast way say what you will and you'll get a nice little hidden bonus in there
1: yeah with with two guys from the uh, chicagoland area that grew up and
2: lived and yeah. breathed cheap tricks so i mean perfect combination yeah. there and now Drew, Vinny, and Mike Keller and I have another record that we just did this last year that we're going to put out uh, probably next year under the name Lucid. Okay. And um, we'll probably include that version, that Chips Enough version of oh, okay. Downed on there, since those guys, you know, are part of that that track. So and and, and it'll be a good fit over there. I think it'll sound right on that record too.
1: Okay. And that's interesting because I, I wanted to ask you about how. It really seems after you left Megadeth, you really had like a big giant spurt of inspiration. Um, mm. I don't know if it was because maybe you had more time or, you know, things in life had changed. But from then to today, I mean, obviously, you're you've done, you know, your your books, um, you've done the Elfson albums, you're mm. doing this Lucid project. You did the project with um, with Frankie from Anthrax. Um mm what and the coffee i don't want to forget the coffee um, Yeah. what triggered that i mean what was it that you personally needed you did you have all this stuff cooped up in you and you really needed to get it out or
2: well i think it's a little bit of all of it you know lifestyle change um you know i think when you're in a band and those look those first 20 years of megadeth pre sort of the breakup if you will um right. You know, we needed to be solely united. The only one who ever did any real – so they put out MD-45. Um, uh, I wrote a book, Making Music Your Business. Marty, of course, was already under contract with Shrapnel. So when he joined Megadeth, we already had kind of a workaround strategy to allow him to put his solo records out that he was under contract with. And, and you know, But that was very strategic in how to do that so that it wouldn't interfere with, with Megadeth. Um, but when you're building a band like that, and especially to the to the the impact and the the heights that we took that band to, you know, you can't have four guys off doing solo projects. I mean, I right. see these other bands, you know, do this. It's like, dude, stay in one band for a minute. You know, <laughs> develop that. You know, really create right. something. You know, I mean, I, I look, we watch Kiss, right? I mean, again, yeah. they they did so, four solo records. It was very strategic. It was a, as we now know was a method of trying to keep the band together rather than letting it fall apart because people wanted to go elsewhere. Um, but, you know, the other thing that happens inside bands when you're a band is, is not everybody's voice is going to get heard. Right. Um, it, ju- it just isn't. And I think inside of Megadeth, through the 90s especially, my voice was definitely heard. Late 80s or, and through the 90s it was. But by the time 2000 came around, it was being reframed. Dave is writing all the songs. Um, and when Dave put the band back together in 2004, he said, he goes, we're going to do everything my way. And that meant basically, you know, those the collaborative days were over. Um, uh-huh. And And it's part of why I didn't come back to it at that point. You know, I was enjoying a new season of my life. I was working for PV. I went to college after that. I had my little band F Five, and and I told guys in F Five, I said, like, don't ever plan on making any money with this. This is not going to be <laughs> Megadeth. I had, I was very realistic about everything, right? Um, but it was, you know, I was already kind of midstream in in another sort of pattern, and and I never thought it was going to be the end of my days in Megadeth. In fact, I was hoping that Dave and I would, you know, find a, a nice uh, common ground again, which we did in 2010. And, and I think at that point, you know, to Dave's credit, he reframed Megadeth. He, he built it back up the way that he wanted it to be, that it needed to be as a, as a, as a thrash band again, because that was really part of what the thing fell apart was, uh, was, uh, you know, we had, you know, different band members, managers, people coming in and trying to make Megadeth be, you know, competitive in the, in the marketplace rather than just fucking being Megadeth, you know? Right. And, So, you know, Dave got three records through the 2000s to reframe that. And, and, you know, he and I think he did a good job with that. And and quite honestly, as a friend to him, as a friend of the band, I kind of needed to just let him do that. You know, I wasn't ready to come back into the band under those parameters at that time. And so Uh it was you know, let's as out of love and respect, quite honestly, I was like, you know what, then I'll unhook myself and I'll let you go do that. And, and that's why I think in 2010, when I came back to the band, um, you know, respectfully, we were both like, Hey, I got to do my thing. He got to do his thing. Let's come back together as Megadeth. Now it's even bigger and look what it, it looked. It put another 10 years of life in the band, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, and our goal now is to finish strong uh, with Megadeth, you know, to really keep it going. And, and, and even creatively, I, I've always said when we came back, I said, Dave, you write the songs. You know, let's not get into these conflicts about trying to write inside the band. I've got other outlets. I can write other places. I can put things out creatively because I'm not going to let that go. I'm going to keep those things going and I'll be respectful to not let them get in the way of Megadeth. But at the same time you know, Dave, you write great Megadeth songs, man. I, I'm, I'm here to play bass to your songs. And that's really been my mindset. The last 10 years that I've been back is, is get behind Dave. He's fucking one of the greatest metal songwriters ever and just be, be his Lieutenant, you know, be, be the wind in his sails. And and so I kind of try to diffuse some of those collaborations inside of, inside of Megadeth, because I I know, I know where the trouble spots lie, you know what I mean? So I'd rather just get behind (laughs) Dave and go, dude, Frickin knock it out, write a badass song and I'll, I'll fricking play bass to your song, you know? And, and then meanwhile, I come over here and I get to do these other things, yeah. you know, now under my own name or with other people collaborations and, and, um, you know, and as much as I may be the most kind of well-known or maybe famous guy in the room, I don't have to always be the boss either. You know what I mean? Right. It's, I, I'm I'm okay being a member amongst members and and maybe that's kind of a being a bass player. Maybe it's sort of an attitude of being a bass player. Being from Minnesota, I don't know. I just like to play music, man. I like to play music with my friends and great songs and 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 make great quality products and, and have things that our fans enjoy. So, you know, the coffee, the book, the album, I mean, it's all just part of just I wake up in the morning and go, awesome, let's write a book, you know. Cool, let's record some songs. Hey, great, let's make some coffee, you know. So it's, uh, it's it all happens kind of right here in this room, actually. So is that like a, a bass player thing with like Gene
1: Simmons trying to pimp all his stuff? Is is, is that an influence for you to get involved but
2: in all I, these things? I'm not. I'm not out trying to pimp things. You know, I'm not trying okay. to be Donald Trump. Trust me. You know, <laughs> I'm not out all to right. say, hey, I'm great and everything I touch turns to gold and I'm right and you're wrong and you're fired. And I mean, I'm not that guy at all. Okay. In fact, I'm. I'm collaborative, inclusive. And like to bring community together, you know. And 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 look, Tom Hazard, you know, he he, you know, we just had this random kind of meeting, um, years back in 2015. <clears throat> he was putting together a a uh, soundtrack thing for Shout Factory with the, over the the shocker film, you know, with No More mm-hmm. Mr. Nice Guy. And Tom's a huge Megadeth fan. He really gets, you know, the the band and and you know the the, the impact of his life and we became friends and then we started the record label and the coffee and and um you know he created the bass story platform for me to go out and, and tour kind of as a solo clinic thing and then that turned to one day I invited him on stage to sing a song with me and now we're writing songs together and you know and so it, it's none of this stuff is really kind of planned to be honest with you it's just right it's very organic, just living in the moments. Just it's like wow, I never thought that would happen. Let's let's follow that. That's cool, you know. And and I think that's what keeps it fun. It's what's, it keeps it inspired. I think sometimes when you when you try to move things too fast or farther than they're meant to go, you can hit a wall. You can get frustrated, then you start <laughs> arguing internally. Um, so if you can kind of just sort of, you know, I always say I don't live in the black and the white. I live in the middle because that's where all the color is. <laughs> Right. Great point. Um,
1: so, one of the reasons why I'm talking to you is because you're about to put out another book, mm-hmm. uh, The Sledge Chronicles Rockstar Hitman. Um, tell me about how this came <clears throat> about and how this differs from the other books that you've written in the past.
2: Well, so far, the other four books that I've written, <clears throat> Mega Music Your Business was a sort of a how to uh, music business book. Um I put out a lyric and poetry book called Unsung Words and Images. <clears throat> um and then I have two memoirs, My Life with Death and More Life with Death. This what's different about Rockstar Hitman is first of all it's fiction. Um okay. and so um anything goes, you know. Um <laughs> and and I I started, I kind of bloom where I plant where I'm planted here in rock and roll. And so I sort of took the character to develop it from there. Um but with it, it's not my story. Um, obviously, there's little bits and pieces you can kind of draw on, you know, to sort of embellish the story. But it's, it's fictional and the names and the characters and everything. And it's fictional. But um you know, it's 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 it, I think probably the, a couple of things about it is one when when Drew, I, I started writing it and I hit Drew right away because I go, dude, I think this is right up your alley because we we're working on this uh, film Dwellers together. It's his right. film, but we're putting it up through Ellison Films in uh, February. And I hit him up. I said, dude, this has got your sick, twisted mind all over, it, you know, <laughs> because um, I can get the character sledge around the world and do the rock and roll stuff. But I said, dude, you've you've got a great brilliant mind for, you know, coming up with thriller horror type of stuff. So it's it's not a horror book. It's, it's an action thriller book. Um, and so we really have a, not only are we, I think really good as collaborators, we've got a collaborative voice. Like you can't hear like, well, David wrote that. And then drew wrote this. Like that's the thing is you got to kind of find a narrative, and stick with it. And and I, one of the things that I think was was fun about this is that we wrote it from the point of view of the character Sledge. It's okay. him telling the story, so it's very kind of rock and roll autobiography memoir style, mm-hmm. um, which I think is in line with what fans like to read when they read when they read our own memoirs. Right. Cool. Um, th-
1: that's interesting because I mean, with all the different things that we've talked about, whether it's this book, whether it's your work. Uh, with the Elfson music, whether it's Megadeth, it seems like you've always been good at finding people to work with, like to really, you know, you have Tom with your Elfson stuff, you have uh, Drew with this, and obviously with Dave you have that dynamic. So it seems like you're always looking for a good dynamic to kind of leverage and get the best out of you and out of that other person.
2: Well, there's a saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. OK. You know, and I think that that applies, you know, that to me, life is not a solo project. You know, right. uh, I've, I've never picked up the base wanting to be a solo artist. I always wanted to be in a band, be part of a tribe, be part of a, a collaborative outfit. And that also means you don't always get to have your own way. Sure. You know, that, that sometimes you, you find compromise and things. Um and you know marriage is like that. Being in a band is like that. Having a company is like that. Um, it and and you know I think one of the things, look, you see it with the changing of our president here in the United States. What what our recent president forgot is that when you're the top guy, you're not you're not doesn't mean you get your way. It means you're the ultimate servant, right? It's mm-hmm. the inverted right. triangle, right? Uh And, and, and I I was fortunate enough, someone pointed it out to me many years ago. He said, you know, remember when you're at the top, you're, you're, everybody may report to you, but you ultimately answer to them, you Uh know, and at the bottom of that triangle in our case are the fans and then the business and then the managers and the band. And then you're, you know, and when you're, that really helped me keep perspective that it's like, you know, what, when you're at the top, you're ultimately at the bottom serving up to everybody else, you know? And I think in our business it's always about our about our fans. You know, yeah, look, we, right. we have to create the stuff. You know, we got to have our space away to come up with these ideas and stuff. But, you know, as you put them out there and you and you, you know, you're, you're I think in my mind and I'm, I guess I'm probably lucky I grew up in, a, in Megadeth like that, that, you know, it's always our fans made us who we were. You know, when mm-hmm. MTV went away and radio stopped playing our tracks and, you know, whatever happened in the world you know our fans are the ones that kept the lights on for us you sure. know so i think that 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 everything that we have and tom is great at that he's really good at, at really keeping you know the 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 david ellison narrative uh, either with megadeth or with ellison or whatever we're doing um that you know <clears throat> we're all we're all connected as a as a tribe here you know so better to be in the band than to than than to be trying to go solo you know i think is my kind of my lesson with that okay
1: And last thing I want to ask you about, because in my opinion, it was one of my favorite releases to come out in 2019. It was the Altitudes and Attitude album that you released Mm -hmm. with Frank um, Mm Bellow, which really surprised me about how much I actually liked the album in the end. And I remember speaking to Frank years before that, And he said, uh, well, we've got the entire, a full-length done. You know, we did the EP like last year, and we've got the full-length done. But we both have day jobs called Anthrax and Megadeth, so (laughs) we got to wait to to put this out. Um, To me, well worth the wait. Um, Is there anything that you project doing with Frank in the
2: future? Um, Well, we're actually scheduled to be on a cruise. (laughs) We're scheduled to be on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Okay. In February, which I'd have to think at this point may get postponed. Uh, I don't think cruises are going to be sailing in February due to COVID. I, I could be right. wrong. I'm, I'm um, but um, you know, around that, Frank and I our original idea when we when we con- committed to the cruise back in January of this year was, hey, let's try to get in and bang another song or two out, even if we just put it out digitally as a digital download. Um, there's certainly material laying around and I think Frank's at home working on a solo record, which is great. Um, you know, look, we, we've been in our bands a long time and I've gone through, as we started the interview with the transitions of in and out of Megadeth and the different things. And and I've said yes, and just moved forward. Frank hasn't had quite that same experience. I mean, for a period he was not playing in anthrax. He was in helmet and doing some stuff. So he's had that, that excitement of like, wow, I get to. Kind to be Frank Bellow um, and not just Frank, Frank Bellow of Anthrax. Mm-hmm. So with, with Altitudes and Attitude, I really, first of all, we were on some bass clinics uh, during the big four. And that's when the idea came to me for us to write some t- songs and, you know, create some kind of an outlet together, which became Altitudes and Attitude. But as we got, went through the process, I realized with Frankie, man, you know, it's funny, Frank always puts out on stage, this big, happy, smiley, you know, the Frank Bellow look. And as, but right. as I got to know him as a person, as a as a songwriter, there's a lot of there's some deep sadness and some things in his life which he's now talked about through his songs. You sure. Know, um uh, some things in his life that he's that he's disclosed to to us here. And it, it it opens him up to you realize, wow, there's a different guy there. And that's who we're hearing through this A and A music and mm-hmm. probably through his solo music. So I really embrace that, you know, I, I mean I wrote Obviously, stuff for A and A. But uh, as Frank was bringing these songs in, I could tell they he needed to say he needed to speak that song and the lyric. Uh, when he writes, he writes a mu- song and a lyric uh, the lyric and the music right away together. They're they're in they're you can't separate them. You know mm-hmm. they're 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 intertwined. Um, and um, I again, I kind of just championed that, and I was like, you know, Frank, if, if you write. You know, half of these songs or more. I'll play bass to you, dude. You write great stuff, man. I'm 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 proud to be your brother and your friend, and and sort of help create because I do a lot of the kind of the biz behind the scenes and business and some of the you know some of that stuff as well. So look, I'm happy to help put all this together so that we've got a platform and, and help give you a voice. Um, away from anthrax in a way that's respectful to anthrax, you know. Uh, and quite honestly, the anthrax organization was very, was very, uh, supportive of Frank, mm-hmm. you know. And I pointed that out to him. He said, by the way, your, your home team here is very supportive <laughs> of you. Remember that when you go in and recut another <laughs> anthrax record, you right. know. Cause I said, listen, I get it. And I, I still, we're all grown ups here. We, we all need a little space away from, sure. from the home team to do our thing. And, and, and I, I really, can't say enough good about their organization. They're very supportive to Frank, to me as well, um, to, to just let us go out and do that and, and talk about it on their social media and, and help and help promote that for us.
1: Very cool. And, uh, to wrap things up, you, you have been doing some shows here. Um, what's it been like? I mean, obviously there aren't as many people out at shows, but <clears throat> being in a band and playing through COVID, what's it like for you taking precautions and you know what type of things do you have to do before going into a live setting to make sure that you and your band is safe well look
2: i'll first of all it felt awesome to go play (laughs) (laughs) forget about anything else it just felt good to be on stage playing the fans were so excited to just be out doing something with that said uh, these shows were booked a couple months ago, before this whole lockdown and everything started to happen again. And uh, we went into it, especially as we we're coming into it last week. We went, man, we have really got a. Funny, my friend John Acolino, um who played on the Not Fragile right. track, uh, he's in, in Icon. He's got this new product called Thera- TheraWorks. Okay. And you basically, it's like a foam and you lather it up and you put it on your face and kind of in your tear ducts and your lips and up in your nose. So I was lathering up with that stuff, like getting, you know, and then, of course, masked <laughs> up. And Bumblefoot was, you know, he was always masked up. Um, look, first of all, we don't want to get sick. You know, who the right. hell wants to get this thing? And we certainly don't want to invite our fans as lambs to the slaughter for sure. them to get sick. You know, uh-huh. we want everybody to be safe um in fact it came to a certain point last week where we just kind of stopped promoting at all that we were even doing these shows kind of right going hey if you don't want to come believe me we're cool that we understand um <laughs> and uh but yet we've made the commitment to do it so we we you know i literally i just say a prayer god protect us you know we're going in you know and just you know put some protection over us and the fans and everybody here and just go in and do it and uh um, You know, definitely tried to be respectful of it because it's not something to mess around with, and and so just just I wanted that to be very clear that we weren't out trying to be you know some rebel rockers you know in the in the face of COVID because there there are there were some fans that were that were you know that was all a conspiracy and I say like, hey, hey hey time out we're not going there with any of that crap you know yeah. this is not what that is about at all man it's uh um. The threat is real. <laughs> to use a megadethism, you know, it 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 very much was uh, something to be respected. But yeah, I mean, look, you know, to be on stage with a mask, um, you know, you know, lathering up in sanitizer and touching things and wiping your phone down, and you know, especially as you after the show, we'd go out, we'd sign some CDs and stand at the merch booth and stuff. So I mean, it's you know, keeping a very orderly distance of things. Um, but people were respectful. I mean, it's it, 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 it's this one moment in time where, like, rock and roll, he even has to play by the rules. You uh-huh. know, at least you're you're wise if you do, you know. So right. comm- big, big kudos to the promoter and the venue and, and venues and the fans for, you know, for, for just really being respectful about how, how it all went down. Excellent.
1: Well, I want to thank you for your time. And Welcome. I want to thank you for for all the music, for all the years. You know, Thank you for being part of the soundtrack of my life and for many other fans out there. Um, where should people go to keep up with everything that you have going on?
2: Um, look, davidallison.com is kind of my main hub. Obviously, Megadeth stuff's at megadeth.com. Um, we, uh, there is a uh, Ellison book company. Uh, URL going up I think this week okay um, over on the facebook.com slash David Ellison is kind of the main hub for where all the this stuff is you know David Ellison YouTube as well Twitch David Ellison official so I don't know just put David Ellison in Google I'm sure it'll come up <laughs> I'm sure it'll take you somewhere excellent <laughs> yeah well Again, I appreciate your
1: time and um, good luck with, with everything that's going on. I'll talk to Drew now a little bit more about the book and about Dwellers, Sounds which good. he's uh, really yeah. uh, happy to talk about.
2: He's a good man, that guy. So, Absolutely. Uh, cool, man. Well, good good to chat again. All right. See Thank you, you sir. Yep. See you. Okay.
1: Bye-bye. See you. Check out No Cover, the new album by Ellefson, which there you have a little cover of Fastway there off of the first Fastway album, Say What You Will. That includes Tom Hazart on vocals with Mark Slaughter and obviously David Elfson on the bass. And um, I'm trying to look up who played... Uh, the drums on that and unfortunately i can't find it um i will say that opus from dead by wednesday and uh bumblefoot play quite a bit throughout the album that said mark slaughter is a guitarist as well so uh, he may have played guitar on that uh i believe that um i may have had the information from the title which i'm no longer subscribed to so that's why i don't have the Information on hand, so I apologize for that. Anyway, uh, on to the next interview. Drew Fortier. Drew Fortier is a very interesting person. Um, He was the guitarist in Bang Tango because he did a documentary on Bang Tango. And then he was later asked to join the band. He also had a band called Zen for Mars with um, the former singer of uh, Kick Tracy um, Stephen Chiro, I think is his name, if I remember correctly. Maybe messing that up. I'm sorry if if that's the case. But uh, anyway, so um, let's jump on into some. Um, oh, and I will say this: uh, they're gonna talk, and David Elson talked about, and Drew uh, Fortier talks about a band called Lucid, which. They put together with Mike Keller, who's in Fear Factory and a bunch of other bands right now, along with um, uh, Vinny Dombrowski of Sponge Fame, and I was able to hear a track, and it's really really cool. Uh, my best way of describing the track is Vinny sounds like Ray Gillen from the Badlands era. Uh, during the verse part of the song and then when it comes to the chorus it sounds like stone temple pilots it sounds really cool i I got a chance to listen to the song like twice before my uh, access privileges were cut off but uh yeah really cool so uh anyway let's see here i'm I'm not even sure if I have anything from Bang Tango. Let's let's take a quick look. Survey says eh, I do not, but Drew Fortier, not Drew Frontiers, <laughs> played on a cheap trick cover called "Downed" off of the No Cover album by Ellefson, which also features Chips Enough of Enough's Enough fame. So, and we did talk about that during uh during this episode so let's play a sound sample of that Dave was talking to me about the Sledge Chronicles um oh, yeah. Rockstar Hitman and he talked about there you go he t- he talked about the process and how he started you know putting things together for the book and then realized from your background in working with horror stuff that it would be right up your alley mm-hmm. to help work with him on this book and I think, if nothing else, I mentioned this to to David that he's always been great to find the right players to sort of bounce things off of. Whether it's you, whether it's Tom Hazard, whether it's the dynamic that he has with Dave Mustaine, you know, so he's always been good at leveraging you know the people that he has around him. Um, what was it like for you to have Ellison approach you and ask you to uh, to help write the book?
3: Oh, it was great, man. He's a, Ellison's a wonderful collaborator, and uh, he did very, very fun to please, too, in that regard. Because, um, yeah, he uh, just texted me out of the blue and like, hey, Drew, what do you think about, uh, you yeah, know, help me write a book, and I was all for it. And uh, he kind of laid down the, the whole idea about how it was uh, brought to his attention by a friend in, I believe, South America, who was convinced that he was... Ellison was some kind of hit name, because he's always in like a different part of the world at different at different times suspiciously <laughs> right. and uh and he just he just kind of took that idea and ran with it and he just uh you know kind of handed it up for, filled me in on the whole thing and uh I loved it I thought it was great and uh and I just kind of helped build the character of uh sledge originally sledge had a full name, but we kind of shortened it down to sledge and uh and the way he becomes sledge is in the book and it's it's kind of a cool story and uh and uh but yeah it was uh, bouncing ideas off of dave is great and uh you know he you know i hit him with something hits me with something especially with a lot of the uh the brutality in the book like a lot of the killings and all that and a lot of the twists and turns that you wouldn't expect and everything and the way a lot of vivid descriptions of uh some of the the awful things that happen but you can't stop reading when you start uh start going for it you know right and um uh, <clears throat> and uh and sledge himself the character i kind of uh because you read a lot, of, a lot of these books, and they're all just like super, just you know, badass, just a heroic kind of kind of people. But I went more of a unique alternative approach, where he's, he's more like an ash from Evil Dead, more like an anti-hero, gotcha. where he does he does screw up, and it's quite funny, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and there's a lot of, a lot, of a lot of very messed up things happening with, with, with all that too. And I, I think people are going to get a kick out of the book. It's 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 really grounded, and it's not really kind of. Uh, uh, it's it's not uh, pretentious in the slightest bit, where, where a lot of those books are, you know. So I just wanted right. wanted to kind of go against the grain with the voice of it, and uh, and as, as kind of gives people kind of like a you know different kind of take on the the, the rock star hero character, where he's more like a Bruce Campbell kind of anti-hero, <laughs> just kind of just fumbling around here and there, but still somehow managing to get the job done. You know? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, he was also mentioning that. A lot of how the story is told is reminiscent of lyrics and songs, uh, like the approach of how lyrics are, um, I guess, portrayed within a song. How there, it's a lot of times a character talking about, you know, an experience or whatnot. So that's sort of, you know, translated over to the book as well
3: oh yeah absolutely like uh i think you made the reference before it's kind of like writing a song We're like, hey, what do you think about this chorus what do you think about this chord progression right. and all that. It's like, oh man that's great we should go with that and, and build upon that mm-hmm. and so yeah in, in a way it was uh making this book was kind of like writing a song like a like a big 212 page song <laughs> 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 and uh and i'm uh, really really proud of the way it came out and um but uh, but yeah that, that, that's definitely a, a good analogy there for sure where it's kind of like uh just kind of working on one big song and uh very very brutal brutal song i'll I'll make sure you get a copy of the book so you can see what i'm talking about but it says some parts are just like oh man it's breathtakingly brutal for sure
1: awesome is there anything that you guys uh started putting together and said well maybe we're going a little too far with this we need to cut it back
3: surprisingly no i hit him with some pretty messed up stuff and he loved it all i was like there's no way he's gonna go for this there's no way this They're is the one. one that,
1: this, this is the one where he's going to say, "No way, we can't do this." But he, it, it, exactly, <laughs> I was
3: like, I was like, I'm like, let's see how far we could take this. And there's a uh, right. There's one torture scene that the that sledge that the character goes through in this motel room. And it, uh, if you ever seen the movie Marathon Man, it's kind of like that on steroids. Okay. Where it's like this has to do with his teeth and like an eyeball and everything. It's uh, it, and I was like, there's no way Dave's going to go for this. And, and even in the most you know messed up moments, there's there's comedy there too. There's like, oh man, no no way this is going on right now. And sure enough, it is. But uh, but yeah, so he he went for everything. So I'm excited. We're we're in the midst of doing the next book. So I'm going to see if I can finally get and be like, nope. can't put that in there (laughs) that's great
1: um you also mentioned and and he brought it up as well that you're working on dwellers um tell us a little bit about that
3: oh man that's uh i have so much fun to put together man because it's um it's a found footage horror movie it's like blair witch meets uh Chud. Chud is this eighties horror movie about sewer monsters, you know, okay. and government conspiracies and all that. And I've always loved the movie Chud. It's got like a nice like cult fan base. And originally Dweller started off as a remake of Chud. I was in okay. touch with the guy who wrote Chud. And uh, it made a treatment and all that and everything, and he he loved it. He was like, "Let's let's let's see if we can make this happen." As a found footage movie, because it's cheaper that way, you know. Because mm-hmm. the whole movie is told through the perspective of the documentary camera. Like, there's there's no there's no there's not one setup shot in the whole movie. If, if that makes sense, you kind of okay. just go along for the ride. And um, but uh, when it came down to securing the rights for uh, for Chud, it was it was impossible to, for one to track down them. You know, when you track them down, it was just wait of course too much money is anything goes in the film business so i had that idea. that was a couple of years ago and then i was thinking one day i was like okay ellison's got coffee he's got record label he's got you know everything else And i was like let's pitch ellison films and I sent him an email and he was like let's do it and i just kind of told him the basic idea of the movie he's like love it let's let's make it happen so i uh gathered up uh the, the the troops and we shot most of it in ohio and a lot of us play ourselves like uh i got my start as a documentary filmmaker with the bang tango movie and so i, I play myself you know as myself pretty much where um dan david's in the movie too as the producer of the movie which he is in real life it gets kind of confusing as you can tell it's a like very right. meta you know and uh and so pretty much him and tom hire me to do a documentary about the missing homeless in uh in this area in ohio and they just you know nobody knows what's going on the press are overlooking it the local authorities don't draw any attention to it and so i uh gather up my crew of uh, doug esper and james l edwards who play themselves as well and we start interviewing the the homeless people <clears throat> right and uh kind of digging deeper into what's going on and uh some people are saying there's like you know something in the sewers, some kind of mutated something that keeps on taking people out, and nobody wants to draw attention to it because there's some kind of government conspiracy with it and everything. And other people, they, they, we interview some authorities, and they're like, "Oh, there's nothing going down and down there. It's just all being blown out of proportion." And so, of course, the, with the Second, third act of the movie, we're like, let's go into the sewers ourselves and see what's going on, and that's when it really starts taking off. Right. <laughs> and uh, and it's it's a bloody good time uh, for sure. And it's, I, you know, what uh, to be honest with you, I wouldn't even call it a horror movie. It's a, uh, it's definitely got horror elements, but it's just uh, it's it's, uh, it's more about the story. Like there's a lot more to it, and uh, than that I'm saying right now. But I think people are going to get a kick out of it. It's definitely an alternative uh, film for sure. It's it's a whole di- different kind of experience. It's not a uh a formal movie if you will but it's 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 pretty cool to watch
1: okay and how different is it for you to work within say the horror genre than it is being the director of a documentary
3: it's the same exact thing okay (laughs) it's 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 all horror it's all horrifying (laughs) 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 but uh it was uh, it was it was cool. I mean, the the, the Bang Tango movie. That 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 thing took four years uh, to make. And to be honest with you, I had no clue what I was doing the, the first couple of years. I just mm-hmm. I met the band at a bar and I happened to have a camera in my hand, and so I took the opportunity and ran with it and uh, kind of learned trial by fire how to how to make a movie pretty much. And I, I roped mm-hmm. in Dee Snyder to do the opening narration, Ricky Rattins in it, and a friend of mine, uh, a new gun, really saved my ass on that one because he. Um, Shot a lot of the interviews in California that would have been okay. expensive for me to fly out and shoot, and he he, he did that for me. So he, he played a big part in getting that movie done. Then when it came time to, you know, shop it around and everything, I was getting interest, but uh, I had to clear the songs. And so that's, huh. you know, another, I guess, that's horror, very horror-ish, because it, it <laughs> just, you know, right. I mean, neat, me and Universal Music going back and forth for six months and me getting passed along from – uh person to person because either somebody got fired or promoted so i had to start all over again with somebody new every two weeks and so one day i woke really? up but i was like you know what I, I put my really put my heart and soul into this thing really proud the way it came out put it out for free and so it's on youtube and uh and uh, really really happy with it man it's uh it's brutally honest it's not a fluff piece and uh and and it lives on you know, it didn't really promote it that much. It just kind of like uh-huh. a to be discovered kind of thing, you know. But 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 with Dwellers were we we got a premiere at the Mad Monster Party in North Carolina in February, I believe. If all goes well, I'm I'm about ninety five percent done with the movie. Just got to do some overdubs and everything. I'm going to do this weekend, and um, and then if, if we might. It's looking like we're going to have like a West Coast premiere too. I, I'm here in the Man's Chinese Theater. So i like it's like this you know i have no business having a red carpet premiere at a man's chinese theater but right. if that's in the cards okay i'll show up you know but we'll see what happens <laughs> you know, it's like I, I as you can tell i'm very self-deprecating because i am and you know, I, I i play guitar for bang tango i mean you know it's how'd i end up here you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: right um you also recently played guitar on a uh bonus track of a uh, covers album um, you and another person from the Chicagoland area covered a very famous Chicagoland band
3: absolutely uh, yeah Chip Chip Chip's enough we did yeah. uh, Downed by Cheap Trick and it was funny because uh, what was it about six months ago me and Dave were doing the Lucid album and Dave was like we should do a cover song this is before I knew he was doing a covers album but <laughs> I always loved Downed by Cheap Trick I always loved that song and it's like kind of like a it's like the roots of alternative grunge in there, too, you know, right. in, in a way, because it's got those really mm, gnarly, heavy parts in there. And uh, and uh, and so I was like, hey, what about Down by Cheap Trick? Is a new Dave-like uh, Cheap Trick. And he was like, yeah, oh, right. yeah, I'm all for it. Then I reached out to Chip. He was all for it and everything. And then um, uh, we had Vin from Lucid on there and, uh, and and Mike and all that and everything. And it, uh, it came out really cool. We we're going to do an alternate mix for the Lucid album, I believe. Okay. But... Uh, but yeah, it's uh that the, the hidden bonus track, and they, they they spelled my name wrong, but that's okay. It's, uh, it adds to, adds, that's like what you and Dave were talking about earlier, how uh the the, the misprints on the uh, on the on the vinyl back in the day right. and all that. So so like, on this track, it's it's not Drew 48, it's Drew Frontier. There and, you go. Uh, that that's yeah.
1: that sounds like uh, an, an 80s uh, actor. <laughs>
3: frontier, <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, Not new Frontier, but yeah. Drew Frontier.
1: uh, (laughs) Coming to theaters near you, Drew Frontier. (laughs) Yet another action movie. There you go. Exactly. You know, it's the perfect uh, Drew Frontier in space. I may have to change
3: my name now. There there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Drew Frontier in space. The Drew Frontier. There you go. Drew Frontier and Zen for Mars. Oh, yeah, that's right. Zen for Mars. That's cool. We're doing the Mars Attacks podcast because Zen for Mars. There you uh, go. Oh, yeah. that, That was a. Man, that that was one hell of a project too. It's uh man, it's it's been 5 years and we're still mixing the thing. <laughs> but we're almost done though. But uh yeah, it, it's up to you if you want to touch upon that, but uh but yeah, it, it it came out really good. It came out great. Sure.
1: I I mean, you're obviously doing a lot of different things from the musical standpoint, uh from Bang Tango to Zen From Mars to this Lucid album. Um which which of the three are we going to hear material
3: from first Oh, uh, i'd say lucid probably lucid okay At the, and it's funny because that that came together so quick you know and i was joking too as it was going on because me and mike uh the drummer from lucid we're, we're also in zen for mars and i was like dude i, I guarantee this Lucid album is going <laughs> to come up before the zen for mars album sure enough it's looking like it All but right. uh but th- there's uh there's gonna be two versions of the zen for mars album and uh one was mixed by Richard Easterling, one by Lasse uh, Lamert, who's also mixing the Lucid album, and okay. uh, and so it's it's going to be very interesting to see how that uh, how that plays out. And really really proud of the music, you know, and the uh, and, and the way that whole thing came together because Chips and Uffs on there, and uh, uh, Bryn Arons from the band Flip, uh, Stephen Chirot from Kick Trace, he's singing singing his ass off. He did an incredible job, and uh, Kate Catalina, Chips' wife, uh, right. plays keys on it. And uh, it, it's going to have alternate track listings, and uh, it, it's going to be really cool. It's kind of like an ethereal alternative rock metal. It's it's like David, it's like heavy metal David Bowie.
1: <laughs> wow, okay, looking forward to uh, hearing that. Um,
3: oh, yeah, and and, and Lucid, uh, oh man, that's that's some of my favorite stuff I ever did. To be honest with you, I mean, it's and Vin from Sponge, oh my god, he, I've always been a huge Sponge fan, and it's so funny how the whole thing came together because. Me, Mike, and Dave were working on um, uh, some demos together. It's like, let's see where, where this could go, you know? Uh-huh. And then uh, me and Mike were talking about, who should we get to sing on this thing? And I was like, you know, I've always been a huge Sponge fan. None of us knew Vin. Uh-huh. And uh, and so I found an email on his website, and I just sent an email with one of the tracks. And um, and then sure enough, he, uh, he was like, hey, what's going on? This is great. Can I sing on it? And then... <laughs> Then we, you know, then we got a whole album. After that, we ended up sending right. him about thirty demos, and he sang on about eleven or twelve of them. And we got nine for the for, for the record. Wow! And it's 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 really cool. I'll send you some of the tracks. I'd love your opinion on it. And awesome! It, it's really cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, cool. Yeah, that that should be an interesting mix. I mean, I I love I have the first two Sponge albums, and oh, I nice. know yeah I know that they're they were you know big Kiss fans and big <laughs> fans of a lot of the same stuff that you know influenced all of us to get into you know, the music that we all love. Um, so that, I mean, that should be really cool. Um, as far as Bang Tango is concerned, do you see them ever uh, releasing anything else in the future? Or?
3: Well, I, I can't speak for them, but I do know, uh, I, I loved playing guitar for Bang Tango, man. That was such a great time, you know. I was I was in the band for like, what, about three years? And that was after I did the movie, too. I was, I uh, think... <laughs> Yeah, I screened the movie, then they were like, Hey, you wanna join? I'm like, Of course. And then my like <laughs> first show with them was uh in front of twenty thousand people at the M three festival in wow. Maryland. And, and it was it was nuts. And uh and it was cool. and Rowan Rowan Robinson was on lead guitar and uh for, he was from Dio and oh, it was wow, man yeah. it was such a great uh, he was amazing. And I, I love all those guys and uh and, and the band ended up reuniting last year. And I love every member of Band Tango Past and Present, you know. And uh and the original guys are just amazing and it, it just Man, it's it's such. It feels so good that the original band's back together, you know, because they they had a lot of issues. Like if, if you watch the movie and all that and everything, and uh-huh. so happy to see that. And I do know if um if uh if, if the if everything unfolds well with the COVID stuff and even like that, I know that they're going to end up doing. They want to do more shows and everything, and and hopefully some new music because man, it'd be amazing to hear how. A new Bang Tango album would sound because they were always forward thinking back in the day. Especially mm-hmm. if you listen to Dancing on Cole's wasn't really metal or anything. It was more like uh, like heavy R and B, you know, with like funk elements and just kind of like Jane's Addiction. Right. And so it'd be interesting to hear what, what you know they've all done musically since then, and uh, just kind of just hearing that just come out with a new Bang Tango album. I'm sure it would sound in- incredible. I'm sure it'd be it'd be great. But uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping they do. Do, do something new that'd, that'd be really cool
1: cool how different is it for you to write music as opposed to writing a, a book or putting a movie together are you know is the creativity the same for all three of these things or do you get sort of different types of reactions uh for for writing one as opposed to the other
3: well, like uh, for, for the music part, what I usually do is I uh, fully map out and demo out a fully structured instrumental demo with, you know, leave space for the verses, choruses, bridge and all that. Everything just does fully, fully structured. And then um, then I, I send it over to Mike and it'd been kind of, you know, he's like, if something needs to change, he'd, he'd be the one to, to let me know. It's like, hey, you're playing sloppy over here. What's the matter with you? <laughs> you know, so right. he's, he's always good for that. He's brutally honest. And I love that about him about Mike. And then, uh, then we, when we get it ready to a point, Mike lays down some, uh, scratch drums and then we send it over to the singer. And that's how it worked for Resent for Mars and, and that's how it worked for Lucid as well. And so we get the song, get the, the demos to a point where we're, me and Mike are comfortable and then we send it to Dave or, uh, or Ben. And, uh, so, and it's, it's, a, it's a fun process, man, just to hear the song come to life, you know, and just you know, hearing what works and what doesn't work and how to make it work. Right. And with the movie side of things, like with Dwellers, the script from Dwellers is 99% different from what actually got shot. Huh. Yeah, and it's and I just kind of let the like with the music, I just kind of let it dictate where it wants to go itself. Like I never want to force it to sound or be something it isn't, you know. Right. And so with with Dwellers, like a, a lot of the stuff worked on on uh, paper like being uh, as I wrote it, but that didn't work like, you know, being shot. And so I just kind of took the basic idea and just kind of rolled with it. And a lot of it's ad lib too. And it, and it just, it came out even better than I ever anticipated. Like it's, it's, it's one thing to have to, you know, to have somebody say the same line over and over again for a take, but something so much more fun and organic when you kind of uh, create a moment uh, for them to react to uh, instead of it having to be a certain way, if that makes sense. Right. And, um, and, and with the, with the books, that, uh, you know, I dive in just from top to bottom. Like I just start and start putting one word in front of the other. And then, um, I I get done with the chapter and just, I kind of just, uh, I kind of just kind of write as I read. I'm just like, you know, once you get the first couple paragraphs, I'm like, okay, let's see how it goes. And then I just kind of like, you know, just let it naturally unfold from there. Be like, it'd be cool if it goes this direction. Then I send a chapter out to Dave, and he's like, oh, dude, this is awesome. You know, then he (laughs) puts in his input and everything. And the next thing you know, a couple weeks later, we got a book. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Um, The book
1: itself is coming out, what, December 8th?
3: Uh, December 18th, yeah. 18th, uh, okay. And and the pre-orders up right now in Barnes and Noble. You could get it as a hardcover, paperback, or ebook, and you could get it as a, a Kindle on Amazon right now. Pre-order. We're going to have uh, paperbacks via Amazon as well, but for some reason they don't allow you to do pre-orders for paperback. But there will be bad. and, and there's also going to be an audio book too. Oh wow! But cool. uh Dave Dave uh, already finished that, and that's in the, the process of being. Uh, being in the process of being processed by uh, Audible and all that and that, that usually takes a long time but we started right. that process about a month ago so that that should be popping up soon and uh, uh but uh, yeah at Rockstar Hitman it's uh, we're ready got the next couple books already planned out and mapped oh, wow. out and everything and it's uh, it's going to be cool it's going to be really cool it's funny we we did this interview Yesterday with uh, Mitchell Mitch Lafon and Alan Niven, the, uh, mm-hmm. who managed Guns N' Roses, and Alan had a great idea for one of the books where it would take place in a rehab, <laughs> where uh, <laughs> the, the sledge is in the rehab and he's got to like take somebody out at the rehab. So we're already throwing around uh, ideas for that. <laughs> so it's um,
1: so so you could see this going from you know book stage to you know being some type of a series or being some type of a movie.
3: Absolutely. Uh the next step I think is a graphic novel and we already have okay. an artist for that as well His name is Alex Sarabia. Hopefully I'm saying his name right. Okay. Uh Sarabia, Alex Sarabia. But um uh and he's an uh, amazing artist. I can, and he uh it Just uh, does amazing work. I'm actually having him do some uh, new artwork for Dwellers as well, and we, we right. might even turn that into a graphic novel too. And uh, oh, cool. And and uh, and so I, that's probably going to be within the next six months, where uh, he's he's going to take a look at the book and just kind of go through and see, you know, work out the paneling and all that. And uh, and it's 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 going to work so well as a graphic novel because a lot of it's very graphic.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So here's a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. What music do you feel has influenced the movie side of your creativity the most, and Ooh. what movie do you feel has influenced the music side of your creativity the most?
3: Man, that's an amazing. That's a great question. That's a great question. <laughs> wow. Okay, so music that would influence the movie side of me. Um, man. Ah. Oh. Like, uh, like movies like movies i've done it i like movies i've done in general or uh, like dwellers and Tang a movie or like just like
1: just anything that you maybe a, a movie as you know as a kid or whatever may have influenced you to do something because i mean we i look back at a band like iron maiden who's yeah. done a ton of you know, songs people don't realize that are based on movies or books or poetry or. My or favorite like Iron that. Maiden
3: song is uh, "Children of the Damned," and that was based off a movie.
1: Yeah,
3: so. that's such a great song. But um, uh, okay. Uh, I as for this is such a good question. As for music that would influence the movie side of me, I would safely say, uh, oh, man, I, I am yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it safe. I'm gonna go with Faith No More because they're all over the place. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, they go from jazz to metal to, to, to everything else. And uh, I've always been a huge Faith No More fan. As for movie, I would say, oh, man, I've always loved True Romance. Okay. Uh, with uh, with, uh, with uh, Christian Slater and all that. such a great movie. And that's uh, Tarantino wrote that. But that's, that's one that I've just always loved that, you know, just works so perfectly all together. It's like one big wonderful album, I guess, if you will, if that makes sense. But uh, if it, 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 you were to relate it to a, to a, to a genre of music. But uh, yeah, True Romance, for sure. I have always loved that movie. Um, man, that's a good question. I'm going to be thinking about it. I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and be like, like I got the right answer now. But off the top of my head, I'd say uh, Faith No More and uh, True Romance. Awesome. Sure. Hmm?
1: Um, if people want to keep up with everything that you have going on from books to movies to music where should they go is there one specific spot you want them
3: to go to uh, you can go to my facebook just, uh, just look up drew Fortier and uh or just, just just look it up on the google and all that it's 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 all on there and everything and and uh always appreciative for anybody who's into my random buffoonery if you will because <laughs> i always find myself in all kinds of goofy situations i was actually i, I wrote a memoir a couple of years ago and I was—that was my like. Okay, I'm done with doing all this stuff. I finished the movie, played guitar for Chuck you based no more, did did all this stuff and everything. It's like okay, I'm done. Time to walk away. And right. here I am, two years later. Now I got another <laughs> album, movie, book. So it just the whole process repeats itself. And I'm like, all right. Every time we try and get out, it pulls me back in. So I think I'm just going to stick around for a little while. There you go. Awesome.
1: Um, I appreciate your
3: time. I'm, I'm glad yeah. that you reached out to me. Uh, no, yeah. Really... If you got any other questions, uh, let it go, man. Cause, cause that, was, that was that was a good one. That last one, holy crap. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, just anything you want to ask, man. I I got you. I'll, I'll do my best to come up with an answer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the, the the biggest thing here is hopefully you know I could have you back on in the future and we could talk about uh, more topics. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I just want to make sure that people, you know, uh are able to check out uh the book that you're about to release next month. Um and that they you know have their ears to the ground for dwellers when when that's released later on um
3: next year. So Oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think everybody's going to get a kick out of all these things because between the the book, the movie, and everything else, it's like uh, at least in my part, there's absolutely no pretension anywhere. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just a goofy dude from Chicago. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? The, let's let's keep everything grounded, you know, and that comes off in the movie and comes off in the book uh, for sure. Right. Like it's all just a uh, really just kind of. Makes sense in 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 that regard, and I think people will get a kick out of it, and I think it, I I really hope it finds its audience for sure.
1: Right. Okay. Cool. And um, uh, we kind of talked off, you know, um, before the interview and when we started up the interview, I brought up Rockin Pod. Um, yeah. What was that experience like for you uh, to to be at the convention and to meet people and. Um, and I'm not sure if you got to jam with anyone while there or not, but um, if if you were trying to sell that convention to someone, what would you recommend from the entire experience?
3: Oh, man, I just recommend showing up because that is such a great time for anybody who's even vaguely into music. Okay. Show up to Rockin' Pod eight hours will go by like five minutes because you'll have such a great time (laughs) just between us looking at everybody's tables all the vendors and they have everything all the panels going on on stage and everything and it's so much fun and i really really hope it happens again uh next year because this past year man um it was going to be a great lineup i think they started announcing it too i got me and burton from uh pure factory were going to do an acoustic set actually oh wow Uh, and uh him and i were actually going to do like an acoustic like uh, we we were talking about doing like a like a two-week acoustic tour him and i oh, wow. but uh, but but COVID happened and, and all that and everything and, and burton moved on he's he's just released his new uh ascension of the watchers album right. which is incredible people should check that out and i love burton he's, he's a great dude and i almost did a fear factory documentary at one point too that's actually how i met mike heller oh wow and so like it's kind of like a weird full circle <laughs> thing right there and uh but yeah, Rockin' Pod though is such an incredible time. I got so many good memories. I remember, uh, if you don't mind, I'll share one. Yeah, go ahead. Last last year, I did a panel. It was uh, me, Tom Hazart, um, was it? Uh, who was it? Uh, Jason Beeler, Toby Wright, and David Ellison. Okay. And then after, and it was a fun panel. And afterwards, uh, me, Toby Wright, and Jason Beeler did like a signing. You know, and uh, nobody showed up on my side, which I, you know, I I don't care about. But we were all sitting next to each other, and this one guy showed up to to Toby's, uh, in in front of Toby to have him sign like nineteen thousand like album (laughs) covers, like everything he ever did and all that. And it was, and the guy was super cool. We were just chatting with him the whole time. And Jason Beeler had like a line like around the block. Oh wow! And one of the funniest things I've ever heard was Jason Beeler. He's got all these people signing guitars and everything. He turns to us, he goes. They're all fools. Look at these fools! <laughs> it was hysterical. It, it was, it was, you know, it was funny. It's like Jason is one of the funniest people, like in the right. whole entire world. He knows how to play upon a moment mm-hmm. perfectly. His timing is impeccable, and everybody loves him as they should. And he's got a new album coming out too. I'm plugging everybody's stuff. He's got a new album coming out go. too, and that, that, that's going to be awesome. Um, but that, you know, everybody should check out Rock and Pot if it comes back. Everybody just, you know, that that should be the mecca of. Uh, rock cons uh, for sure. Everybody should flock to Nashville for Rock and Pod. Go say hi to to everybody there.
1: Yeah, I I agree one hundred percent. Not not because I'm biased because I'm kind of part of the behind the scene scene's, scenes <laughs> team, but uh, you know it's definitely something that I'd love to be able to get out to one of these years. So, um, yeah, J- Jason is uh, someone that uh, a lot of people have recommended uh, when it comes to following a musician on social media because of his wit and because of the, the stuff that he posts
3: oh man he is and he's even funnier in person man that dude he, he could do a he could do a stand-up album easy like, he <laughs> is hysterical man he's he's uh, it, you know he, he's a great dude he's so much fun absolutely hope, hope you guys have him back uh, for the next one too because he's so great with the fans and he's just so great with everybody you know, he's, he's great
1: yeah, I mean, I I can't divulge much because obviously I'm not part of that side of things, but I do have conversations um, oh, about yeah, right. people that may or, or may not go. And uh, um, to my knowledge, he was someone that there were talks about him coming back, um, which which definitely would be cool. And I mean, I listened to the song that he's already released uh, for his upcoming solo I album. Mean, it sounds cool, you know. It, oh yeah, yeah. It mm-hmm. definitely reminds me of, you know, some of what he did with Saigon Kick reminds me a little bit about um, maybe some of the stuff that Extreme did, like kind of on the Queen
3: side of things, you know. Right. It's, it's a little proggy, you know. and Yeah, the, there's definite, yeah.
1: Like, uh, definitely a lot of like layers to the to the track. It sounded really cool, you know. Um, so oh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah.
3: looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. Apology. I think the song's called Apology. And, uh, yeah. and it's uh, it's oh man yeah yeah Jason such a talented character and I really hope you, if Rock and Pod happens again you make you you make it out for it man because it'd be great to hang out with you in person you know yeah. and um and some of the stuff you and I were talking about like holy crap like I was saying you you should write a book man you really should wow. <laughs> i I
1: I appreciate that I don't I don't know what kind of uh, I I would be I think at the uh, side of the desk with you with like no one in line. I,
0: I
3: think uh, we would be chatting with one another. Um, and that's fun too. Hey, yeah. either way, it's fun too. It's just, just, just happen to be there. And Hey, either way, if that's the situation, you and I'd be chatting with each other, you know?
1: The, the, there you <laughs> go. So um, I, I want to end things with the question that I asked David Ellison to uh, start the interview portion of the show out. Um, I asked him that, you know, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Holiday season is officially underway. Um I think we all have memories of receiving an album for Christmas. Um is there an album that comes to mind for you that you still think back to uh getting it uh for Christmas?
3: Man, that's a good question. Wow. Huh. I remember movies vividly, but okay. uh but uh album though man i was just growing up i was always just uh t- you know I'm, I'm actually a huge megadeth fan like i'm like a megadeth geek i don't let dave know that too much but <laughs> uh <laughs> but i'm like a megadeth nerd right um so like definitely like even like if megadeth puts out anything i was like yep oh, yoink buying it uh, and the same thing with like faith no more and uh Led Zeppelin, like I I had all the box sets and all that and everything. Like right. even if they re- remastered it just like a little itty bitty bit. I'm like, Oh my god, it's still Led Zeppelin. Yeah. You know, and uh <laughs> with it with all those bands. I mean, um and uh I probably got A Faith No More something or other at some point, A Megadeth something or other. I've, I've always I've always been big into those two for sure, Guns and Roses. I mean, when Guns and Roses came out, Chinese Democracy, that was like Christmas for everybody. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> and uh, and I, I love that album. That's one of my favorites, man. I love Chinese Democracy. I know a lot of people are into it, but I've always... I was a part of the wait for it. So when it finally came out, I was like, oh, thank God. But uh, you know what? Since Chinese Democracy... Actually, Chinese Democracy... You're not going to believe this, but I remember this. It came out like November 23rd, 2008. Mm-hmm. So that was around Thanksgiving. So that was around the holidays. I'm going to go with Chinese Democracy because I go. did, I did get that when it came out. The day it came out, Chinese Democracy for sure.
1: Well, you mentioned movies. What movie uh, springs to mind?
3: Oh man, I was like, I remember, it was like probably like six or seven. The first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> wow. I've always, yeah, my, my my parents were just like, watch whatever you want. So I did, and so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, Chud, you name it, all the all the video nasties from back then, all the obscure horror movies like, jeez, what was it, uh, like Anthropophagus and Bad Dreams and all the weird Italian horror movies like Zombie and, of course, all the Romero movies, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead and everything. I, I'm a horror movie nerd, man, big time. So, but, yeah, so it was always those obscure horror movies that I'd, I'd, I'd always loved the most. But the, one of the first ones was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I still love it to this day. That's the original. The original on VHS, but you know they they clean it up for Blu-ray and DVD, and it just takes away its charm, you mm-hmm. know, because you want that grittiness, you want that like you know where it just looks like crap, and it kind of adds to the whole thing, <laughs> right. you know, kind of kind of like dwellers, because that looks like crap too, and it adds to the whole thing, <laughs> yeah. right?
1: Yeah, there there's some things that are shot a certain way to to add to the you know the ambiance of the whole thing to the what they're trying to to add to it. I I often um, have had a conversation with people where I'm a really big fan of the HBO limited series band of brothers. And there are a lot of people that I know that said, well, you know, it, it, I don't like the way it was shot. I said, the way it was shot was to give it a certain feel of grittiness. As you're saying, it's a modern, you know, modern quote unquote. I think it's, Almost 20 years old now, but when it came out, it was modern for its time, and they shot it in a way to make it feel like you were back in the 40s. You know, it was done a certain way to,
3: to add to, to the movie. Exactly. See, I noticed that, too, with uh, Public Enemies. Because it, it it almost looks like it's shot on video. It's just shot right. like a certain way, and it just it definitely adds a, a whole another level to it. And I was watching it. I was like, am I accidentally watching like a rough cut of this or something? <laughs> it just it, it's so gritty, but it definitely it, it works for it so well. Sure.
1: You know? So I mean, it's it's like uh, recording with Pro Tools, but recording in the room together. You know, it's using old techniques yeah. to and leveraging you know newer techniques to try to. Try, try to get something or give it a feeling of what things used to feel like i guess
3: yeah exactly it's like the more things change the more they stay the same you know it's like there technology could keep on progressing and all that but there's you know still like the human element you just kind of you know got to get back to just to kind of otherwise everything sounds like edm
1: Right, there you go a little mother evolution from zen from mars Stephen chereau not sure if i said that right before i may have said scott chereau i don't know sorry so that was a band that uh i guess it seemed like they're not together anymore from what drew fortier mentioned i, I don't know maybe i misunderstood that but anyway that's the track mother evolution by zen from mars Uh, I want to thank all of you guys for listening to this episode. It is greatly appreciated. All your support, whether you're just listening to the show, uh, whether you check out the live stream or not, or um, you actually go out and follow on social media, the YouTube, all that stuff, or, or hop on Patreon. If you like what I'm doing, please help and support the show any way that you can. Um... We are going to wrap things up here with uh, an album that I talked to David Elfson about. And it came out last year. I really, really liked it. Uh, it's a band that he has with um, Frank Bello of Anthrax. Uh, the album is called Get Out. The band is called Altitudes and Attitude. And... Wow. Um, I really like the track Part of Me off of it. So we're going to end the show with a little sound sample of that. Remember to support the bands you love. Use our Amazon links and support the bands and support us at the same time. Uh, Just so that we don't get kicked off of Amazon. Just want to let you guys know that we are an Amazon affiliate. So any link that you click on and then make a purchase off of, if it is a qualifying purchase, we get a small kickback and you don't pay anything additional so just so you know just trying to, just trying to keep uh, things going here anyway part of me by altitudes and attitudes thanks for listening once again and we'll see you next time right here on the mars attacks podcast see ya <laughs>
3: to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show.